My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So in the passage today, Jesus really does four vignettes, four little snapshots. The first one is of Noah and that they were living everyday lives. They were getting up and going to work, stopping at Starbucks and getting their coffee, complaining about the traffic, getting married, having children, Thanksgiving dinners, all of that was happening until Noah went in the ark and closed the door, or God closed the door. Jesus tells us, well, and, and, and you can almost hear God go, surprise. <laughs> Two men are working in a field, Jesus says, and one will be taken. Surprise. Two women are grinding wheat. You know where we're going. Surprise. He says, if you knew when the thief was coming, you'd be ready. Now, you know that I, I like to shoot guns on occasion. I'm a member of a gun club. But when I first bought my rifle, I was so excited. But they, there was an ammunition shortage. I didn't have any bullets for my gun for about six months. And I told Vicky that we would just have to beat up the robber with the rifle. We, didn't have, we couldn't shoot him. We couldn't, I couldn't protect her. But I'd have to beat her with the rifle. Right? And if the robber was coming, I'd be ready. You know, like the old westerns. <laughs> Go ahead, robber. Come in my house. But we don't know when they're coming. Now, I don't know about you, but do you remember a few years back when Easter Sunday was April Fool's Day? Well, that's my birthday, if you recall. And I told people I was, I was hoping that God would come back on April Fool's. Wouldn't that be wonderful? April Fool's! Here I am. Surprise! Now, surprises can be good and they can be bad depending on the person. And then my mom at 15 who finds out she's pregnant, that might not be a good surprise. A woman who's in her late 30s who's tried to have a child for her whole life with her husband gets a positive result. That's a good surprise. The surprise is not as important today as the preparedness or the heart of the person being surprised. Larry Norman wrote a song in the 60s, and I remember singing this, and uh, it filled me with a little bit of fear and trepidation. I was about probably 13, 14 years old. You may remember it. The words go like this. Life was filled with guns and war, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. The days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. Second verse. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears. One left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. He repeats the first verse again, and then it has an outro. You've been left behind. You've been left behind. And I'll tell you, as a small child, as a teen, young teen, I was afraid that I was going to be left behind. Now, some of you are saying, 
What a happy little passage to read on the first Sunday in Advent. We're talking about getting our trees and our garlands out and our nutcrackers and our ceramic English cities to set up on the dining room table. Why, why are you talking about this happy passage? Well, I guess because I wish we'd all been ready. For those who are ready when Jesus comes back, it will be a great surprise. For those who are not ready... Not so much. Now, this is, this is frustrating as a pastor because there should be an urgency. Like Paul really believed in his writings that Jesus was coming back soon, maybe before he passed. Jesus didn't come back. There have been, if, if you want to go on the Internet and Google it, there have been times when people have sold all that they had and gone to the top of a mountain to wait because they believe Jesus is coming back now. He hasn't come back yet. We're 2,000 years into this wait, and we're wondering, when will he return? But I want you to hear this. I don't know when Jesus will return. Even Jesus didn't know. Did you hear? He said in the passage, Matthew 24, 36, but only the Father knows. But I do know he will return. So this message takes two paths. You remember that famous Robert Frost poem, uh, Two Roads Diverged in the Yellow Wood, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. You don't have that poem memorized? It's my favorite Robert Frost poem, but the end is the most telling. He says, I shall be telling this with a sigh, ages and ages hence. I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. So there's a road for those who believe and live like they believe. And then there's a road for those who don't believe or believe and don't live like they believe. Now, every church I've ever served has said, Pastor, we want you to teach a Bible study on the book of Revelation. Now, I want you to know that we are now into my fifth year as a pastor here. Does anybody remember me teaching on the book of Revelation? Ain't going to happen. Not until we cover the other 65 books. Why? Because Revelation is looking into something that's going to happen. We need to be ready when it happens. The other 65 books get us prepared for the last book. Here's what I tell people. Live every day as if Jesus is coming back today and you'll be ready. That's the message for active believers. That's the message for the people on the first road. William Willman tells a story of a funeral he attended. He was serving a small congregation in rural Georgia, and one of his members' relatives died. So Willman and his wife attended the funeral held in an off-brand country Baptist church. He writes, I'd never seen anything like it. The preacher began to preach, and he shouted, and he flailed his arms. It's too late for Joe. He's dead. But it ain't too late for you. People drop dead every day. Why wait? Now is the decision. Give your life to Jesus. Wilman goes on to suggest that this was the worst thing he'd ever seen. He fumed and fussed at his wife, Patsy, complaining that the preacher had done the worst thing possible for a grieving family manipulating them with guilt and shame. Patsy agreed, but then she said, 
Of course, the worst part of it all is what he said is true. Yes, all of it is true. Yes, the end is near. Remember that far side cartoon? It had the straggly guy with the beard with a big sign that said the end is near. And then it had a little tiny guy behind it with a sign that said the end. The decision that determines which road you take is totally up to you. In 1945, Albert Einstein and uh, some scientists at the University of Chicago created the doomsday clock. Have you seen this? And when it gets to midnight, that's supposed to be the end of the world. And right now, we are, according to the doomsday clock, 100 seconds away from the end of our existence. Now, the, the clock gets reset every year by a committee that includes 11 Nobel laureates. And there's an anxiety that comes from not knowing. There's a confidence that comes from believing the word of God. I don't care about the doomsday clock. You shouldn't care about the doomsday clock because we know that whenever Jesus comes back, we'll be ready. There we go. Larry Norman sings, Jesus teaches, and this is the first Sunday of Advent. What's the message? You can be ready. Ah. I have a story to share with you by John Jameson. Um, I'm going to have to use my best teacher reading voice. It's a little lengthy, but I, I think it really ties up the message today. It goes like this. If it, kept like the, if it kept up like this, he wasn't going to get anything done. All the telephone calls and the paper jam and the copier and now this. He was beginning to feel that it was pointless to try. She stepped into his office. Sorry to interrupt you, Pastor. I know you're busy, but I need to talk to you. And she went on to tell him about a problem a dear friend of hers was having. And how it would be really nice if the pastor could stop by for a visit sometime. He wanted to say that if people would just stop bothering him long enough to get his work done, he'd be glad to go out for a visit. But he smiled instead and thanked her for stopping, and she had gotten his attention. For other members had stopped by in the last two days, worried about this same couple. One of those worries, worriers was even the son of the couple. He believed it was Shem, although he never could tell those three boys apart, and they all said the same thing. They were concerned about them. Well, not both of them exactly, mostly about the husband. And that wasn't all. Just yesterday, during his Kiwanis luncheon, the pastor overheard others at the table talking under their breath about how the old man had gone off the deep end, and that obviously retirement did not suit him well. Apparently... All that extra time on his hands had gotten to be more than he could handle, and somebody said it looked like the old guy's oil didn't even register on the dipstick. The pastor couldn't help but chuckle. It was so strange. The couple made great plans for retirement. They would plant a huge garden, and he would tend the roses, and they would take plenty of time for travel. But the only traveling he did was back and forth, to the lumber yard and the backyard and the rose bed and the spot staked out for the garden was covered by this big wooden thing. 
By the way, the guy down at the lumber barn, Yumberlard, felt a bit guilty about selling the old man all that lumber and nails. Noah was no carpenter, and he bent more than he drove in, but the old man had made it clear that he couldn't buy his materials there. He'd get them someplace else. And after all, business is business. But none of this was news to the pastor. He'd been aware of what was going on for months. It had started back the week that Noah told his Sunday school class, which he had taught for 27 years, about the dreams he was having. Since that morning, a couple of class members had made it their mission to keep the pastor informed. Each week it became stranger and stranger, and the pastor began to wonder how to talk to the old man about his retiring. When one Sunday morning after class, he walked right into the pastor's office and resigned. It seemed he didn't have time to prepare a lesson anymore and still get the work done on the project. About this thing in the backyard, at first the neighbors were intrigued. And then they all thought it was kind of cute to see the old guy there climbing around with hammer and nails and saws, although sometimes he started hammering way too early. And some evenings kept sawing way too late. And it was cute how his wife kept yelling at him about how she knew he was going to fall off the ladder and break every bone in his body. And it was kind of fun to try and guess just what it was he was hammering and sawing on. First, maybe it was a deck for the yard, then a greenhouse for the roses, then a garage. By now, they were betting on a big greenhouse, but they thought it really should have more windows. No one could understand why he built it so doggone to look like a boat until someone remembered that his hometown had been over the river and it must bring back some pleasant memories. But it was getting way too big. The cuteness began to wear thin as the sunlight was getting blocked to the neighbor's flower bed and it seemed a windowless greenhouse shaped like a big boat cast one whale of a shadow. And it was definitely a zoning problem. Those same neighbors had a backyard wedding set for next Monday afternoon for their only daughter. And this pile of wood cast its shadow over the whole well-made and highly paid tents, plans. But the straw that broke the camel's back was the camels. And the elephants and the chickens and the lizards and the penguins. Enough, after all, was most likely enough. When they asked about him moving the shadow, the old man mumbled between nails, there just isn't time. Fortunately or unfortunately, the surprise came one day early. It was midway through the second hymn on Sunday morning. Crazy old Noah was sitting in his usual every Sunday seat with his family looking rather embarrassed as everyone smiled at them. The pastor closed his hymn book and started to reach for his sermon notes. But right at the spot where folks usually sang, Amen, God sang instead. It was a bass note. It kind of rumbled around the sanctuary and down the street outside the church, bouncing off the bank in the furniture store, just thundering its way to wherever thunder goes. And it started to rain. Now, you need to understand that it never rains around here this time of year, but it was raining. Everybody got up and walked to the doors and the windows to watch. The pastor saw all Noah just sit there in his seat. 
the old fool let out a big sigh, looked up at the preacher and said, Time's up. Where will you be when Jesus comes back? What will you be doing when Jesus comes back? What will you hold in your heart when Jesus says, Time's up. Amen.